for uh, what God has in store. Again, I just wanted to welcome you if you're visiting with us this morning. My name is Chris Massey. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we're just so grateful. You've seen a lot of our pastoral staff, a lot of information to share this morning, just things we want to take the time to celebrate. Because when God does something good, we should celebrate it. When there's something awesome, you know, and, and I don't want to say this lightly because, uh, you know, around the world and, and in America, we, I, as a pastor, I get these statistics all the time. Over 75% of churches in America are either flatline or declining, and ministry is, is going down in those churches. We should be super excited that God's doing something in our church. That, sh- that should excite us, that God's doing something in our church, and we, we don't want to take that for granted. We want to take the time and, and necessary to celebrate every single good thing that God is doing. Uh, so that's why we do that together on Sunday mornings. But I, I do want to get into this, this next chapter here of our series called Know Your Bible. Uh, we, we've been kind of really diving into this idea of how reading the Bible, or maybe you've heard it put as the Scriptures, or God's Word, or, or however, this is so important to us to read and to get it into our hearts, into our lives. And as we're going to talk about today, it's so important for us to apply it to our lives. And I really want to walk through practically with you, how do we get from something that we're reading and studying or hearing about into the place of applying in, in our lives? And I came across this this morning in Isaiah chapter 66, I was reading in my devotions, and I just love this word uh, that, that God gave through the prophet Isaiah. He said, My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. Who just who love my word, right? And then he says, But those who choose their own ways, delighting in their detestable sins, they will not have their offerings accepted. Then you drop down to verse four, he says, This I will send great trouble on all the things they feared, for when they when I called, they did not answer. When I spoke, they did not listen. They deliberately descend before my very eyes, and they chose what they know I despise. What's he saying here? He's like, listen, I'm not asking you to go through life blindly. I'm not asking you to sit around and wonder, what does God want me to do? He says, I gave you my word. I gave you the Bible. I gave you the scriptures. I gave you line for line, very detailed, exactly how to live your life and be a a, a righteous Christian, a follower of Jesus. And and if we choose that, that's great. But then he also says, there's, there's on the other side of that, if we reject it, it, we pay a price for it. There's something that happens in our lives. And so I thought it'd be really good for us today to really take a look at that application process. How I take an idea and I make it a reality in my life. And so I wanted to read for you from James chapter 1, verses 19 to 22. And this is what it says. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. So you're my brothers and sisters, all right? Thank you. You must be quick to listen. Got to open your ears, right? Slow to speak means it's okay sometimes to hold your tongue or not put that post on Facebook that you were thinking. And slow to get angry, meaning when you saw somebody else's post, you didn't need to comment. It's fine. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God planted in your hearts. Why? We talked about this last week. For it has the power to save your souls. But, this is so important, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. If you're not putting what the Bible says into practice in your life, you are fooling yourself by just reading it and coming to church every week. You know, when we stand before God someday, he is not going to ask, 
How many times a week from how many times a month did you go to church in the year 2023? There will be no attendance record. What he's going to ask is, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Did you accept Jesus and live your life for Christ? And this is the, the major point for us this morning, is that we have to transition, like he is saying, from simply being hearers of the word into a place of becoming doers. Now he goes on to talk about how looking at the word of God is, is kind of like standing in front of a mirror, right? And he says, you know, all of you, you got up this morning, you were a little more groggy because you got one hour less sleep. But you went and you stood in front of the mirror. We appreciate that. And you checked your hair. Still not there. Good. You brushed your teeth, right? You checked your outfit. You maybe, you know, in my hallway outside of my bathroom, we've got a full-length mirror. And I always come out and I go, looking good. And then I, I leave, right? So we, we do this thing. And, and mirrors are great. And I love this. And, and if you've ever been around teenage boys, they love mirrors. Okay. It's, it's amazing to me. I've, I've coached football for a number of years now. And I've been around teenage boys in locker rooms. Uh, my, the last school I coached at, there were three full-length mirrors on this one wall in the locker room. And there would be this group of teenage boys there. And they would all stand in front of it. And, it's, and they'd walk normally through the rest of it. But then when the mirrors came up, they'd go... And then uh, you'd catch a group of them standing in front of the mirror all going, mm, mm, mm. and then they're all, no, no, you, you got to see, like, they just love mirrors, okay? But here's the thing, we're supposed to look intently into God's word. And this is what he says right after this, he goes, you wouldn't look in the mirror and see that your clothes are ripped or torn or have a stain on them or that your outfit doesn't match and just say, oh, well, you'd make a change. And he says, that's exactly what God's calling us to in our reading and application of scripture in our lives. So how do I get from an idea to a lifestyle? Well, a couple of things I just wanted to go through here because there are some real struggles and things that we struggle to apply as we're reading through scripture, right? So I got 10 teachings here from Jesus real quick. We're just going to go through these really quickly. 10 things that might be like sticking points for you in following Jesus. Number one, love your enemies. Did he really mean that? Yes, he did. God is more important than your money. Does he mean that? Yes, he did. Don't worry. We got this one, right? Nobody worries in here. We're all good. Last five years, carefree. Just everything good. Here's one that's a little harder. Not everyone will go to heaven. This kind of coincides with the number 10 on my list as well. But this idea, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We might be living in a cultural idea where it's normal to say, hey, all religions are the same. They're all leading to the same place. They're all calling God by different names. And everybody who even knows what the name Jesus means is going to heaven. Well, that's not what Jesus said. That's not scriptural. It's hard for us to, to align with. Then he says, deny yourself. Not a fan. Not a fan of that. Putting Jesus first, you read Luke chapter 14, he goes as far as to say that if you do not hate father, mother, brother, sister, if you've not forsaken land and property and wealth to follow me, then you are not worthy to be my disciple. That's a hard pill to swallow. This one is becoming increasingly difficult, that there is a literal hell. 33%, one third of practicing evangelical Christians do not believe that hell is a real place. It's in Scripture. Jesus taught on it. He says it's the place reserved for punishment. Number eight, rejoicing in persecution. Not a fan. Sharing in the hatred for Jesus. Listen, Jesus told his disciples, listen, they hate me. I'm the master. They're going to hate you. Accept it. 
That's part of it. That's a tough one. And then, like I said before, that Jesus is the only way. He says there's no other option. We're going to dive into that more in the next couple weeks here leading up to Easter. But these 10 things that, you know, as, as we're looking at them, they're concepts, they're ideas in our minds. And maybe there's some of them that you look at that you're like, you know, this has been a stumbling point for me. Maybe you worry a lot. Maybe you've wanted to give to the Lord. You wanted to start giving in, in tithes and offerings, but you're like, I'm, I'm scared to take that step. Maybe loving your enemies or forgiving someone has been a difficult step. I want us to walk through practically how do we get from the idea of this is biblically what I should be doing to applying it in my life. This is what I'm going to do and how I'm going to live. This is going to be my lifestyle. So there are five stages of this to take you from being a hearer to a doer. And I'm going to go over these real quick and then we'll go down a little deeper on each one. First is reflection, standing in front of the mirror, flexing. No, that's different. You begin to reflect on things that you've heard, read, studied, learned, maybe sermons that you've heard or, or things that you've, over time, have been put in your direction. You're reflecting on teaching from Scripture. Then there's decision. You've taken the time to kind of process a lot of what you've heard, and now you've come to the place of making a decision. And, and this is probably still an easy point for us, right? I've decided I want to do blank. I want to worry less. I want to give to the Lord. I want to love my enemy. I want to put Jesus first. That's our decision, right? But the next step is what matters most. It's planning for that decision, right? This is not a scriptural idea, but it's something that I really love. A goal without a plan is just a dream. It's all it is. It's a daydream to say, I'm, I, I want to this, I want to that, I hope to someday do this. If you don't have a plan to get there, you're just daydreaming. So he says, we've got to have a plan of how we can get from this idea to where we're going. Then we need to support it. I'm going to give you a word that most people don't like, okay, but you can write it down. It's called accountability. Accountability. I need people in my life who are going to hold me accountable to what I've reflected on, what I've decided, and the plan that I've put in place. I need people. And here's the best one you can use. I really recommend, if you need an accountability partner, choose your spouse. That's always fun. No. Do not use your spouse. As your accountability partner, I promise you that will end poorly. You need somebody though, right? And choosing that, we'll dig deeper on that. And then strengthening it. Getting on your knees in prayer and most importantly, asking the Holy Spirit, would you come and give me integrity? Would you challenge me on the things that I think are acceptable? Would you hold me accountable to my plan? So I want to get down on each of these just a little bit deeper, this reflection idea. Does the Bible really say that I should worry less? Does the Bible really say that I should put Jesus first? Does it really say all those things that we just read? So you're going to get into the scriptures. What are the scriptures? What do they say? What are some teachings or sermons that I've heard? Now, we have a blessing and a curse that surrounds this generation. You can go onto Google and you can ask Google, should I worry less? Okay? And you'll come up with a whole bunch of things. I guarantee number one is going to be Dr. Phil. And he'll be standing up there going, what you got to do is get rid of that stinking thinking. That's not doing you any good. Why do you act that way when you know it's not right? I love Dr. Phil. He's so easy. Not Dr. Phil's theology. What does the Bible say about these things? Same with scriptures. Again, I, I know I, I probably frustrate my children more than anybody else with my 
vitriol for YouTube, but it doesn't require, the only two things you need for a YouTube channel are a camera and a video connection. That's it. You just need the internet and a a video camera and you can have a YouTube channel. Meaning there's nobody in the background fact-checking anybody. There's no, you need to show your credentials. So here's the reality. And it was the warning that Paul gave in 2 Timothy when he said, listen, Timothy, son, in the last days, there's going to be people who gather around themselves, teachers who will tickle their itching ears. Let me make you a guarantee right now. You can believe anything you want and find somebody on YouTube who tells you you're right. You can do it. It, it. Really, anything including thinking that you're an animal now, okay? You will find people on YouTube and they will tell you, you are dead right. You probably are a cat and you should pee in a litter box. I'm being real, okay? You can find that. That doesn't make it any kind of expert advice for your life. Who are the people that you're gonna learn from? Are there opposing ideas? I gotta study all these things. That's reflection. The next is decision. I'm ready to make forgiveness. I'm ready to make giving to the Lord. I'm ready to make putting Jesus first, a guiding principle for my life. How do I get to this place? Are there devotionals that will encourage me? Are there examples of obedience in scripture, in the Bible, that I can be studying? People who did this before, that I can be gleaning from their example, and then getting into these things. I'm I'm making the decision now. Again, this is easy for us. It's easy to decide that I'm going to do something. This next step is honestly where the rubber begins to meet the road. In church, honestly, it's the one that we're failing to hit more often than not. Planning. I'm ready to plan. I'm going to choose when and how to start living by my decision. Here's the great piece of advice I found for myself, and I want to give this to you as well. The best time to start anything is tomorrow. Right? I'm going to go on a diet tomorrow. I'm going to start exercising tomorrow. I'm going to read the Bible a whole lot tomorrow. I'm going to pray more tomorrow. I'm going to spend time in worship and with Jesus tomorrow. Listen, that's not true at all. The reality is that tomorrow never comes for us. The best time to do anything is today. Make a decision today. Start your plan today. Don't tell yourself, you know what? I'm going to get up tomorrow, and tomorrow I'm going to worry less. Tomorrow I'm going to put Jesus first. Tomorrow I'm going to give to the Lord. Tomorrow, No, it doesn't work that way. We plan for today. What is the first step? Be practical. What's the first step? If I'm talking about giving, okay, first step, i got to take a look at how much I make, and I've got to decide how much I can give. What, what could challenge my decision? Just as Eric shared a little while ago, you know, here's my guarantee to you. If you make a decision to follow Jesus in some way, there are going to be obstacles. It's not going to be easy. And just as Eric shared for him and, and also Renee, that they had to be in a place of like, okay, God, we're going to do this. But now it gets hard and the challenge comes in and we've got to decide, are we going to stick with this? Are we going to keep going? And, and, you know, not to put them on a pedestal, but to their credit, not only are we going to do this, we're going to go deeper. We're going to go harder. We're going to go further after Jesus because we believe this. That's the plan. But what can I do to overcome those obstacles? And how did people in the Bible model this decision? And the next, this is so important, as I said before, support. How can I create a support network for my decision? Here's the reality. Maybe you've made the decision, okay, you know what? I want to stop drinking. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask all of my buddies at the bar to help me stop drinking. Ah, 
<laughs> that might not work. Okay? Accountability. We hate that word. But church, there is nothing that changes our walk in relationship with Jesus like a brother or sister in Christ who will hold us accountable. We need accountability. We need to become a people who invite accountability. I, I have a good friend of mine. His name is Devin Blankenbiller. He's a pastor on the other side of the state. He and I literally once a week, we spend an hour on the phone talking through accountability questions, challenging each other, praying with each other. I cannot begin to express to you how life-giving that relationship has been for me. In fact, Jess now knows if she wants anything to actually happen, she needs to tell Devin, because if Devin tells me, I'll do it, whereas if she tells me, I won't. So she uses Devin a little bit. Who can hold me accountable? Where can I place Bible encouragement around my obstacles? What scriptures, you know, you know uh, maybe it's, I want to worry less. I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to put post-it notes all over my mirror so that the first thing I encounter in the morning are the promises of God that he's going to encourage me and I'm going to, I'm going to soak those up. Um, I heard the, a pastor yesterday at our men's uh, thing say that the best thing, if you want to make sure you're reading the Bible, put your Bible in your underwear drawer. He goes, you're going to put underwear on every day. That way when you open it, your Bible's right there and you can cover yourself twice. <clears throat> If it works, it works. I don't know. We need accountability. Church, you need this in your life. you got to find a brother or sister. And listen, I, I want to give you this encouragement too. You don't always have to find accountability just from somebody in Christ. And, and, and you can find it from people who are not even followers of Jesus. And here's how you do that. I've said this before, I was a construction worker for 10 years. You may not know this about construction workers. They don't always have the cleanest mouths or conversations. Okay? And so I challenged myself that when I went to any job site, I wanted everybody there to know that I was a pastor and that I was a Christian. Here's why. I knew the second I said that, every single set of eyes was going to be watching for me to fail. And I wanted to soak that in. I wanted to live with that tension. Don't let down your guard and don't give in and allow a foothold for someone to say, oh, see, he's just like all the other Christians accountability because we're saying who we are what we believe in what we stand for and believe you me your unchristian friends and co-workers will be more than happy to hold you accountable just let them know you're a follower of jesus lastly is we want to strengthen that decision what bible verses can i pray over my journey did you know you can pray the bible you can pray the scriptures. In fact, in my uh, devotion this morning, I was reading right before what I shared with you in Isaiah chapter 65, this blessing that God speaks over uh, the, the people of God. And he says, your children will be blessed. I will answer them before they even call on me. I will answer their prayers before they even pray. And I just broke when I was reading that. I started to pray that over my kids. I'm like, God, let that be true for my children, that they will be blessed and that they, you will answer them before they even, and you just begin to pray. Pray that. You can pray the scriptures. And lastly is the Holy Spirit. Listen, I know we could go really deep and wide and all over the room here with our theology about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here's the gift that Jesus promised. He said, it's good for you that I'm going back to heaven. Because when I do, then the helper, the Holy Spirit can come. Here's why this matters. You can have the greatest accountability partner in the world, but they can't be with you 
But you know who can? The Holy Spirit. He's always watching. In fact, he's ratted me out a few times. When I was a teenager, I would do things that I shouldn't have been doing. My mom would catch me in the kitchen the next morning, and she'd be like, the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night to start praying for you. What were you doing last night? I'm like, oh, that jerk. Snitches get stitches, Lord. Good luck. The Holy Spirit, and, in, and, and again, not just accepting this as a reality in the church. This is so important. This is one of the final steps, I think, in how we become a doer of God's word. Not only do I accept the Holy Spirit that God wants me to live righteously, I get into a place of begging God to hold me accountable. God, I'm begging you. you know, David prayed this. He said, Father, search me. Search my heart and see if there be any wicked way inside of me. And if there is, make it public and purge it. I'd rather have the whole world know that I've got something wicked in my heart and let God deal with it right here on earth than have to stand before God someday with that wicked stain upon my heart that I never dealt with. Church, he says, this is what God has called us to. We need that. And that's how we strengthen. Holy Spirit, would you challenge me? Because I don't know about you, there are times that I can justify doing things that are not godly, right? Can't we justify that? Because on our best day, we can justify our actions. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit's not going to justify it. Now, he's not going to beat you over the head, but he might just give you that little tug in your heart. And how many of you have experienced that before? Where the Holy Spirit just, ooh, I don't feel right about this. Mm, That's not right. That's wrong. There's something, something about this situation, something about this moment, this place, this decision. It's not what God wants. I feel wrong about it. That is the Holy Spirit, the helper that Jesus promised. And church, that is how we become doers of God's word. We, We reflect on it. We make a decision. We put a plan into place. We invite accountability from people around us and the Holy Spirit. And we pray. I love what Mark Batterson says. We've got to work like it depends on us, and we've got to pray like it depends on God. Listen, you're not excused from the hard work of applying God's word to your life. It's not just going to happen while you sit in your easy chair that one day a Bible is going to fall off the shelf and all of it's going to go right into your brain. You're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to read it. You're going to have to study it. You're going to have to take it in daily, learn and grow. And then you're going to have to pray and say, God, I could read this all day long, but you're the only one who can make it real and alive in my life. You're the only one. I'm begging you, God, would you do this for me? Would you make it real? Holy Spirit, would you challenge me? Search my heart. You want to pray a dangerous prayer? We talked about this before last summer. You want to pray a dangerous prayer? Stand up and say, God, search my heart, every dark corner, and see if there's any wicked way inside of me. And if there is, purge it. But God will do it. And it changes your life. Church, I just want to encourage you, Become a doer of God's word, applying the Bible. Know it and apply it. Because when you do, it becomes life-changing, just as he says, it has the power to save your souls. And that's when life change begins to happen. Will you stand and pray with me as we get ready to close together? You know, typically at this point in a service, I'll ask for hands raised, you know, who would like the Holy Spirit to convict you and challenge you? I'm praying it over you whether you like it or not today. All right? Sorry, not sorry. But I want to pray that the Holy Spirit, the helper, would begin to challenge our lives. Because in a candid moment, every one of us knows, I want to be a doer of God's word. I want to be a doer. I want to live this. I don't just want to hear about it and talk about it and see other people do it. I want to live it. 
And the steps to getting there are this, to make that plan, to surround myself with support and to invite the Holy Spirit, challenge me. I'm ready. So I want to pray that over you. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would begin to minister to every single heart and life in this room. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to come down and bring upon every heart in this room and those watching us online the conviction of our hearts that only you can bring. Father, we open ourselves to you and we say, search our hearts. Search every one of our hearts, God, and purge the wickedness that might be inside of us because we'd rather deal with it here than have to enter eternity with it still marking our lives and staining our hearts. God, we invite you support to strengthen us. Lord, I pray that you would just give us a great conviction in our hearts. What are the things in our lives that we've been justifying? What are the things that we've just been letting to the wayside? What are the things where we've just been saying, oh, that doesn't matter. I'll take care of it later. I'll grow. What are those things, God? Would you convict us in our lives right now and just begin to challenge those things and guide us, lead us to the other side of it where we're living daily for you, Lord? God, I just pray that over every single person in this room. And I pray, God, that we would delight in seeing the ways in which you work and challenge our hearts. God, we glorify you and we worship you. We want our lives to be worshiped for your glory. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, don't forget, start this tomorrow. No. Take a step today. If you need prayer, our prayer team will be up here at the front. We'd love to pray with you. If you need prayer for something specific you're dealing with, they would love to pray with you. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day.